At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is I.P. With Masamela Matsumal. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Thursday. Once again, we welcome back to Make It Plain, someone who's been a regular on Thursdays for a number of years right now, two minutes to count. He also just celebrated a birthday, so happy birthday uh, to him. And uh, I'll let him, I don't know if he wants to announce it's a, it's a milestone birthday. It was his fifty. Thir- fifty. I was going. I was going to come before you, man, and say thirty. Fifty. Uh, I remember <laughs> back in the early days of Daily Coast when I, w- I was making these uh, thirty under thirty lists. I mean, it's been that long. Yeah. No more. No, that? no more of those lists. No more of those lists for us. Huh? You know what, though, I got to say, Mark. When I was younger, fifty seemed old. Right. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was yeah. old, and people that were fifty back then were old, and I'm convinced it's because they they smoked and they ate like Wonder Bread stuff with you know all the nutrition sucked <laughs> out of it, and drank hang, drank sugar, and there wasn't this culture of fitness and and walking, get your steps in, and you know right. being healthy, and and I actually think the air was dirtier, right? This is the era of like leaded gasoline, so people were getting poisoned, and so fifty today is not what it was like fifty. When we were, you know, we were kids, and I think maybe maybe it was just perspective. Maybe I hope you're right. To my kids, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope people don't look at us and say the same thing. Look how old <laughs> they are, you know, because we did. We thought everybody at fifty was old, and I just I hope you're right about that. Um, you're right. People did eat Wonder Bread. My my other word for Joe Biden. Uh, but <laughs> for those who don't know who Wonder Bread is, but most folks our age know what Wonder Bread was, um, or Wonder Bread is, I guess Wonder Bread is still around. Um, he is Marcos Melitsis, uh, founder of the largest online progressive community, Daily Coast, founder of Civics with a Q, the most accurate polling front. See, the reason I say that is you just, I think earlier, a few hours ago, you, um, uh, retweeted or quote tweeted Nate Silver, who, like a lot of other people, was convinced that Gavin Newsom would be <laughs> would be recalled. Uh, but also, folks, let me also mention host of the weekly podcast, The Brief. Get it wherever you get your podcasts, the most popular podcast in the world. Marcos Melissa is glad to have him here. So, yeah, a California resident pulled it off. We did it. You yeah, weren't surprised. Um, you weren't surprised, were you? No, I was I wasn't worried, and we've been talking about this for I don't know a couple months maybe. And I kept saying, you know what? It's he's not going to get recalled as long as our people turn in their ballots, right? That was the big question mark. And I'm gonna I'm gonna write a piece this afternoon looking at our civics data. It never budged. We had it at sixty three no, thirty six percent yes, and I think it ended thirty six yes, and right now it's at 
66th now. It'll tighten because we're counting day of votes still, and it's gonna they're gonna count those votes for a couple of weeks. So it'll tighten a little bit, but no matter how you look at it, it was a blowout victory for Gavin Newsom and the Democrats, and civics is gonna be pretty spot on. And I don't say that to brag, although there's a little brag, but I'll say that because there's a sort of narrative that Gavin Newsom and the Democrats didn't lock down their victory until they made Larry Elder an issue. Larry Elder being this conservative black talk show host who thinks slave owners should have gotten reparations. We've talked about him in previous shows. And so that sort of narrative that's coming up in the Beltway media is that it wasn't until Democrats made him an issue that Gavin Newsom locked in his victory. Our numbers show that there it was nobody's mind was changed. Nobody there was never any doubt that the no the Democratic position had majority support. Again, it was just a question of getting in the ballots. And I think the ballots come in regardless. I, mm-hmm. I don't think Larry Elder had anything to do with it. It was just California's a Democratic state. This recall election was a ridiculous, absurd waste of money. And California Democrats really need to reform that recall system to actually make it something that you deploy when there's an actual reason to deploy it, not a bunch of whiny conservatives pissed off that they lost and trying to like sneak in a victory using a mechanism that is pretty ridiculously stupid. We've talked about it. I don't know if we need to get into it, but it's California recalls are just BS. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. good news is it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. So what was Nate Silver looking at? So what, what he was looking at is, is uh, I guess we are going to talk about how stupid the system is. The system, the way that California recall works okay. is there are two questions on the ballot. The first one right. is yes or no recall, 50%. If the incumbent is recalled, if the yes wins, then there's a second question. And then this question is who should replace the incumbent? And that one's a free-for-all. There was like 43 names on the ballot, and it's just a majority. So you could have you could have had Gavin Newsom recalled with 51% of the votes and then have Larry Elder win the recall with like 35%, right? I mean, it's just a stupid, stupid system. That's why Republicans deployed it, right? Because they can't win a straight-up Democratic election. So they were trying to use this weird... Yes, mechanism to to sneak into office. Now, what Nate Silver was talking about is that Democrats made a strategic decision to put nobody on the second half of the ballot. It was basically up or down. It was Gavin Newsom or bust. Mm -hmm. And so a bunch of people who thought they knew better were making, they were saying, well, Democrats should have hedged. They should have ran a candidate on the second question. Well, the Democrats did do that back in the early 2000s when Democratic Governor Gray Davis was recalled and was was replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that was a decision that many people think backfired on the Democrats because Gray Davis was a type of Democrat. There was not a lot of love for him. And so what the... the His name name was Gray, after all. Yeah, yeah. No, he's literally literally like personified. Right, right. So Cruz (laughs) Bustamante... Ran in the in the second half. He was a lieutenant governor at the time, and then what that did is a lot of people who didn't like Gray Davis said, "All right, good, we can get rid of Gray Davis, and then we'll they'll replace him with Cruz Bustamante, who would be much much better." The problem is that the advantage really goes to it, it's not for the incumbent party, right? Because most of the people, not most, but a significant number of people mm-hmm. who vote no think they're done. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. I voted no. There's no recall. I got. And so the incumbent party will never have as many votes as the other half, as the other side. So there is no way we put a Democrat 
on the second half of the ballot without losing a significant number of Democrats who were going to vote no in the first half, right? It's it's it's, it's, it's a silly, quirk, stupid, com- confusing. And so what ends up happening is if you don't like Gavin Newsom for whatever reason, you go, oh, yeah, but I like that Democrat, so I'm going to vote yes on the recall, and then I'm going to vote for my preferred Democrat when odds are that replacement candidate is never going to be viable. So... The decision was made to sort of, you know, they looked at 2000, whatever it was, 2002, I think. They looked at Gray Davis recall. They said, yeah, that backfired on us. That did not work out very well. Too many people who were Democrats voted yes on the recall because they thought they had alternatives on the second ballot. So they did everything they could to push out every serious Democrat from the second half of the ballot and basically made it a referendum up or down. And it worked. Not only did it work, it worked spectacularly. But people like, you know, Nate Silver thought they knew better because, I mean, this is sometimes I think I know better and I'm wrong, right? I mean, everybody, everybody can be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. What's really obnoxious, though, is, is that certainty some of these people deploy in the absence of evidence. And in fact, the evidence suggested that the smart play was to make it a yes and no referendum on, on Gray Davis. And, and it, again, that worked out fabulously. This had nothing to do with Larry Elder, had nothing to do with any of that stuff. We tracked that, you know, with civics, we tracked the race from the very beginning, and it never budged. We always had it at 36% yes. They needed 50 plus one yes to, uh, and we're talking the margin right now, Mark. You know, you think, oh, 36, yeah, they missed it by 14 points to get to 50%. The actual deficit right now is around 3 million votes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't even remotely close, right? It, either as a percentage or as a raw number of votes. Republicans really are a dead party in California. And one of the things Chris Eliza is being ratioed about on Twitter as we speak is he's made the case that this was good for Larry Elder because at least he got 47% of the vote, but he actually doesn't, didn't. That's he's not right. reading the numbers correctly. Right. The, uh, the, the vote was split amongst several people on the ballot. And I think of that, Larry Elder may have gotten in the twenties, but no, he remember he got he got twenty three as of right now because they're still counting ballots and they'll be counting ballots for two weeks for a couple weeks. Okay, he got twenty three percent of all votes cast. Because remember, Democrats were you know the the word was vote no and then leave the second question blank. Right, 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 right. So of the people who voted on the second ballot which is mostly Republicans, Larry Elder won. That just tells you that California Republicans are, are wingnuts. That's what that yeah, tells you. Yeah, yeah it does. It, it doesn't tell you that Larry Elder has any special Jews with California voters as a, as a collective entity, right? He only got about 23%. So if you want to treat it as a, as a head-to-head, great, um, uh, Gavin Newsom versus Larry Elder, it was 63% versus 23%. And that's probably what it would look like next year if Larry Elder decides to run for governor. More MIP after this message. So what does, why do you know that? And you were able to tell me that. And a high paid commentator on CNN doesn't know that. He is literally uh, tweeting. He wrote that Larry Elder got 47% of the vote, 47.5% of the vote. He literally wrote that. Mark, the, the, the coverage of this California recall from the Beltway Press has been so ridiculously absurd. There, there's all this, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, the Democrats narrowly averted disaster by winning the recall. Narrowly, it wasn't even close. And then they'll say things like, 
You even had Joe Biden had to come to California to campaign. Yeah, that's because the Democrats weren't taking it for granted. That doesn't mean that they were in danger. It just means, you know what, you're winning. Let's lock this thing down and let's make sure that, I mean, Joe Biden showing up for a couple hours, it's not a big lift. And <laughs> so it, this, this treatment, they, they, were, they were freaked out. No, they weren't. We were all looking at the same polling. We were just like, not only that, Mark, but the early results. Remember, this is a vote-by-mail mostly election. Mm-hmm. The early vote-by-mail was was two to three to one Democratic. Like, we mm-hmm. knew the ballots coming in were heavily, heavily, heavily Democratic. The one caveat, the one caveat was that the return ballots were disproportionately white. But in California... It, we're not Alabama, we're not Mississippi, California whites are actually fairly liberal. So any like if it was Texas, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm worried because yeah, Texas yeah. whites are, you know, 70 percent Republican. Right. right. California whites are 50 50. But one, that doesn't tell you anything. Two, you look at where those ballots were coming from. And the Bay Area was disproportionate of all the regions in the state had the most ballots coming in. And so you're looking at Bay Area whites. Of course, it's one of the most liberal parts of the country. It's creative class whites. It's liberals. This thing was never in doubt so long as people turned in their ballots. And the other factor is California is not like most states where you actually have to show up and go vote at a polling location. Most people had a ballot sitting in their kitchen table. So the lift is even lower. It's You have a whole month to say, just mail the damn thing. It's literally one box. No. And then just mail it in. Because sometimes you get these California ballots and there's like 200 questions, right? All these ballot initiatives and, you know, smaller races and judges. And so you're like, oh, my God, I don't know what up. This was easy. No. Put it in the mail. And as it turns out, not only did most people turn it in, but as of now, last I saw, turnout for this September special election, recall election, was higher than it was in 2018 midterm elections. Mm. So Democrats didn't take it for granted. They, they, they activated the mach- their machinery and, and made sure everybody turned out to vote because that was going to seal the deal. And, and not only did they did so, but they had a heck of a, you know, heck of a cushion to work with. So it all worked out well. But if you hear the Beltway media, it's like, whoa, this was, you know, this was close. It was, it was close, and, right, right. And now there's a second component where now they're saying, okay, well, maybe it wasn't that close, but this means nothing towards 2022. Because they were trying, this is a bellwether, Democrats yeah, demoralized, yeah. conservatives and Republicans are so energized, and, and California is close, and that shows you how much trouble the Democrats are in. It, it first, it, the results show, like, Democrats are perfectly motivated, they're pe- perfectly mobilized. That doesn't mean that next year is going to be easy, but let's not sit there and, and make it heads Republicans win, tails Republicans win, which is how the Beltway media is trying to spin it. The recall election lost in Orange County, lost in San Diego County by big margins. There are Republican-held districts in those seats. You better believe this has an impact in 2022 Mm -hmm. because, and again, we don't know what those districts will look like, but Orange County will have four or five districts. And right now, Republicans hold, I think, three of the five. That's prime territory for Democrats to make gains again next year, which we're going to need to do because we're going to lose ground on the redistricting, reapportionment, you know, gerrymandering front. So, yeah, of, co- of course this matters. I mean, if it was a close election in a state like California, it'd be like, OK, yeah, we're, we're in deep doo-doo next year. What this says is like, no, you know, our side is still pretty active. There's, it's still too early, Mark, but I am going to guess 
because we we in the early results in Orange County, it seems that Republican turnout was lower. So they were the ones that might not be properly activated. And I'm going to add another layer to that. Donald Trump, this uh, previous week, was going around talking about how the California results were rigged, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, before the election happened, they were rigged. He was basically telling his own supporters that nothing they did mattered. And you better believe he's going to be doing this in 2022 as well, going around talking about how everything's rigged, which the message is, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. If you vote, it doesn't matter. So he may be suppressing his own party's vote. So there's still a lot here to to unpack. And I'm not going to say Democrats are in the clear next year. We're not. It's going to be a tough year. We've talked about this every week in, you know, for months now, how next year is tough. And we have a real dogfight on our hands. That said, you can't sit there and argue that, oh, California recalls close. That means it's, you know, Democrats are doomed last year. And, oh, well, no, Democrats won in the landslide, but Democrats are still doomed last year. They keep trying to cram information into a predetermined narrative. And uh, and no matter how you look at it, Democrats always lose. It's weird, right? Democrats yeah. are always losing. Yeah, yeah. Always. Yeah, they're spinning it away. Casey Hunt also being ratioed on Twitter for what she said. This was about Newsom being elitist, uh, still in denial about what actually happened. The Democrats won. This was not oh, a, a, a referendum on his elitism. The whole French laundry restaurant thing. Who, who's even still talking about that? So, yeah, I mean, anybody know during the early months of the pandemic, Gavin Newsom went to a birthday party of a friend in the French laundry, which is a it's a very, very expensive, you know, very elite restaurant up in Marin County and wasn't wearing a mask. And it was stupid. It was stupid. He admitted it was stupid. And then everybody moved on. And for some reason, the Casey Hunts and the Beltway media keeps, oh, well, that that hurt him. It didn't hurt him. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> after they said, yeah, okay, that was a dumbass thing to do. He apologized for it. Everybody moved on. They still think it had some kind of impact. He won by as big of a margin as he won the the uh, election three years ago. Are you going to tell me that hurt him? Like, under what possible metric did that hurt him? There's none. Yeah. It's just yeah. patently absurd. But they had the narrative. Oh, a Democrat or elitist. Do they talk about? Do they talk about Donald Trump's? You know, gilded properties and how elitist that is. No, they don't talk about that. But Gavin Newsom goes to a birthday party, screws up by his own admission, and now he's an elitist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody cared. Um, so l- let me just throw this in. and I don't know how this is po- possibly a teachable moment. I don't know how closely you have looked at the um, what's gone on in Boston. But as Marcos was saying, folks, Democrats cleared every other name off the ballot in California. That makes a difference. Uh, in Boston, when people thought this would be the first time Boston would elect a black mayor, you can't have three black candidates on the ballot at the same time. Those three candidates totaled more votes than any of the front runners. And so there were people who wanted to vote for black mayor of Boston. There were obviously black electorate, and who knows how many white, white electorate, I don't know, it is Boston. But if one of those African-American candidates had been on the ballot, we might be having a different kind of a conversation. But but that's that's the point. I talked to some friends in Boston. We were having that conversation. Three candidates and good people. But you have three good people. The, the vote's going to be split up three ways. 
Uh, that's not to say the other candidates, um, the other women who are the front runners, are bad candidates at all. But the storyline is Boston expected its first black mayor. And if that did not happen, that is largely the reason why, because all those votes added up. So when Marcos is talking about what happened in California, it was wise uh, for Democrats to make sure that Gavin Newsom uh, was the only Democrat on the ballot and that the only issue was yes or no on the recall. So just want to just want to point that out. I don't I, I give you a chance to comment. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the Boston race or not, but uh, and I know they're still um, counting there, too. It's going to end up being closer than they thought, but. But not not only are they counting, sure. but it's it's a ranked choice, right? So votes have to re reassigned, and it's it's. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a while before we know, and and yeah, I don't I don't have anything beyond that. But yeah, of course, if if, if your goal is to you know elect a certain kind, whether 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 it's a Democrat in a in a crowded field, you, you gotta you gotta consolidate. I mean, it's yeah. it's that simple, and too many egos are confused that matter, but um. Yeah, no, Mark, there was a one point where, where some friends of mine were like, yeah, you should have put your name on the ballot, that California ballot. It, it took nothing to get on there, right? Forty-some people got on there, a bunch of no-names. And I was like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. That's so stupid. No, it's it's Gavin Newsom or bust. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a governor's race next year. If somehow, in some weird situation, Larry Elder had gotten in, we'd probably be looking at another recall election in three months, right? I mean, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, the vote, the, the ballot initiative to, to you know, to get the votes for that would be simple as hell. And you have an election next year. It would have, it would have been a mess for California. Um, but uh, it was clear that the strategy was to consolidate very clear. No, just vote no. That was it. That was the only messaging that happened as opposed to vote no, but maybe if, something happens then maybe you got to vote for this other guy and <laughs> it didn't work with uh, gray davis and uh i mean there was enough of a pad padding now that maybe it would have worked this time just as well or you know it wouldn't have cost democrats the election but why mess around like make it clear make it easy that's what they did okay moving on uh mr in between himself you all know the song says don't mess around with mr in between but we still do it mr in between himself joe manchin met with mitch mcconnell and the reports of late are that that went absolutely nowhere uh, in terms of this new voting rights proposal, whatever it is, watered down voting rights proposal. Mitch McConnell hasn't budged. So what what happens now? Does Joe Manchin finally acknowledge that his Mr. In-Between across the aisle strategy is, is not going to work? It's not realistic or, or what? Who knows? Hopefully. I mean, one of the benefits of this voting rights thing is that it's actually mostly Joe Manchin's own language, right? So it's it's essentially his bill. So we're hoping that has some sense of work that he actually wants to make it happen. He, he, he's, he's been sort of worshipping at the altar of bipartisanship. He keeps saying that he can get 10 votes. The question is, what happens when he can't get 10 votes? Does he continue to validate a system in which nothing happens? Because an obstructionist minority blocks everything, or does he? Does he at least for voting rights create a carve out, the filibuster, to uh, protect our democracy? And I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, bet much on him doing the right thing. But that would be 
the hopeful outcome that he he says because then he could come out and say I did everything I could we we listened to the Republicans we gave them a chance we implemented voter ID which is what they wanted you know that was our concession to them and they still don't want to protect everybody's right to vote so uh, I re- you know regretfully and reluctantly. He, you know, create a carve out for the filibuster for this one issue. I mean, he, he, he can do that, whether he will. I don't know. It remains to be seen. Now, I will say that um, I think with Klobuchar, I was talking about, like, she thinks Manchin will do the right thing. Now, I don't know if she has any insider information or if or if uh, or if it was just bullshit kind of, you know, praising him and nudging him in the right direction. Who knows? But I mean, he's a game, right? I mean, it's it's him or nothing. And Clearly, he relishes being in the limelight, and he relishes being the fulcrum of everything. And you know, the irony is, Mark, is that if there was no filibuster, he would be this person in every freaking vote. Like, he would be the swing vote, and he would be the kingmaker. Mm. And he could funnel so much cash to West Virginia to buy his vote on everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His state's residents could live like kings. Call it, the, call it the Joe Manchin set coal miners for life bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More MIP after this message. Hey there, I'm Nadia Komodo. Check out my show, Tigress, which is basically my unfiltered and unapologetic journey of being a work in progress. Like, I hope that I am authentic and I try to be as unfiltered as I possibly can. I am so passionate about what I do from talking about periods to wanting to build community around the cause to loving the business that I'm working on. Tune in each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are streamed. Lastly, on the brief this week, I believe you talked with the president of Planned Parenthood of California. We touched on this last week. You had Ellie Nistall on. Um, this, and I asked you last week, knowing what we know historically about midterms and the direction in which they usually go, saw what happened in California this week, that bodes well. But as you argued on the brief this week, and as you wrote at DailyCoast.com, the issue of Roe is really going to come down to the ballot again now. And, it, you know, are people going to get out to vote? Is this going to mobilize people in 2022 to really change history, allow the Democrats to keep the House and maybe even win the Senate? And that's, that's really where we are. I think we're set up for a showdown. Uh, it's good that the Justice Department is suing Texas, but we know what that means. That's going to the Supreme Court. And, you know, we know what's going to happen there. Even it, you, you saw Amy Coney Barrett said, oh, we look too partisan. We have to be careful about looking too partisan. What do you 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 are the biggest partisan hack judge that's on the bench. I mean, if that's yeah. not Karen calling her own self a Karen talking about herself, I don't <laughs> I don't know what is. But have your you talked about it some last week. Do you have any any new thoughts on that, or, or in terms of what the what the outlook might be? This is now. We talk about a bellwether. We talk about an issue that is going to probably mobilize women more than ever. I keep saying each like women, 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 but this is it, man. This I mean, is, this is it. That, that's a hope. I mean, um, there's been a sort of boy who cried wolf component to, you know, every election, you know, choices on the ballot every election and for both sides, you know, Democrats trying to raise the alarm, but it's been a generation of Rose been chipped away. It's been chipped away, but it's still there. 
And and I think for Republicans, I think they really loved having the Supreme Court knock this down, keep that issue alive, right? Keep putting keep putting abortion on the ballot and uh, and riling up their evangelical base to vote on it, with no real intention of it ever actually banning abortion in those states. And suddenly you have the Supreme Court that says, you know what, let's do it. And I think Texas is in trouble. I, you know, this is a state that has been trying to attract tech workers and the tech industry. And now those people are pissed. And you have a 50-50 state, basically, maybe it's like 52 Republican, 48% Democrat at this point. It's a state that's moving in our direction. And the last thing they needed, it was like, give Democrats a reason to want to turn out in the midterm election next year. So we talked to Jody Hicks of California's Planned Parenthood. In on the brief this week, and she said that she absolutely saw an uptick in concern with women candidates. Said that at one event, she talked about uh, what the Supreme Court had done, and a young woman just burst out crying because it, like, mm. the realization had hit at that moment that something that they had taken for granted was suddenly was suddenly gone. I see it on, you know, I have a 14 year old daughter, and in her in her uh, Instagram feed is all a bunch of TikToks of young women talking about this Texas law and what it means. And they're all furious and they're all getting agitated. So if we can get young people engaged and turning out next year, it could change the trajectory of the country. Now, if Roe is overturned, the sad thing is that it would mean the end of abortion services in deeply Republican states like Mississippi, Alabama, Idaho, Wyoming. That much is, is a given. But what it also means is that now you have a real reason to turn out in battleground states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina. And evangelical white voters always turn out. They don't need an excuse to turn out and vote. Our younger, single, more black, more brown, female, young female voters do not turn out at proportionally the same rates as evangelicals do. So the fact that abortion may be, you know, Rose is outlawed at the Supreme Court level isn't going to give them an extra advantage at the polls. It may give us one. I'm not taking it for granted. There's a lot of education, a lot of work that needs to be done, right? This isn't like, okay, I hope they're paying attention. You can never, you can never assume that. But if Democrats and allies and activists do a good job of, of educating people about what's happening and that this is no longer a theoretical challenge to choice, but it literally has happened and abortion is literally on the ballot in Texas. Because you know what? They just they just outlawed abortion in Texas. The entire Texas legislature is is up next year, as well as the governor. If Democrats win those, and it's within, I mean, we got to see what the new districts look like. Again, it's hard because they get to redraw the districts. But we talked earlier that this new census numbers makes it harder for them to gerrymander any more than they already have because rural areas have emptied out Mm. and the suburbs and the cities are growing. And so you can't just pack everybody into, you know, one district is a city, right? It's just, they're just too big and the rural areas are too small. So it makes it harder for them to create new districts. But with choice on the ballot, literally, it may Texas can elect a Democratic legislature, Democratic governor, and reverse that. And then suddenly Texas is no longer and in every election is a battle over abortion. And I keep hopefully that keeps people engaged because it's a real, real danger, it's a real, real challenge. Yeah. But for too long, also, I think liberals were very complacent, expecting the courts to continue to uphold the right to choose and while not fighting for the court, right? I mean, you know, all these liberals whining about, oh, 
Hillary Clinton's a neocon and she's a neoliberal and without realizing that, well, congrats, you know, because you were too whiny about Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump won. And how did that turn out? Yeah. This is what happens when you when you whine and cry because something's not perfect, as opposed to focusing on the laser. I mean, look at evangelicals. They looked at Donald Trump. He is literally the most amoral person in the probably in the history of this country, right? He's just a this moral cesspool. And they're like, well, Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, that was it. They need you know, that was it. They got over it. They got over the fact that right. Donald Trump was paying off porn stars and cheating on his wife and having multiple wives and all these things that are supposedly like not very, not very moral. They yeah. got over it really fast. Why? Supreme Court. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks, we, need to be there. we do. Folks, the brief, wherever you get your podcasts, civics with a Q, dailycoast.com, all of that, get involved. And words of Stevie Wonder, happy birthday to you. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed your birthday. 50 is not so bad. I expected. 50 was supposed to be scary. 50 is actually pretty freaking cool. Good. So I'm excited to be here yeah. and looking forward to many more. Well, as a fellow 50-year-old, I'm still here. I'm, I'm not doing too bad. So, nope. yeah, it, 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 I, I don't feel as old as the people I thought were old at 50, 20, and 30 years ago. I don't feel as old as those that I, as I thought those people looked. So, now, other of you may look at me and say, yeah, he's pretty freaking old, but... I don't feel like that, so. <laughs> I think we're doing pretty well. All right, man. Marcos <laughs> Melissa's so folks. Thank you, buddy. All right. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.